It's good to see all y'all. Did you guys get through the snow okay? It's good. Heard it's supposed to snow again this week. I wonder which prayers God answers, right? How holy are you that God is answering your prayers for snow or against snow? Is it warm in here? Man. Jeez. I feel like I'm roasting. All right. Well, here's the good news. I can run the air conditioning from my phone. So it's not going to do anything, but that's okay. It makes me feel like feels like I'm doing something. All right, let's pray for this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that we wouldn't leave here the same way that we came. Father, that we would leave with a new understanding of who you are and what you are to us. God, reveal things to us. Speak to us this morning by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 16 this morning, if you'd turn there with me. 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and to the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, You come peaceably. And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that they looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. <clears throat> but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at his heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send him and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David that day forward. So when Samuel rose, and he went to Ramah. What's going on in this story? Well, we've been going through First Samuel. And for those of you that are just joining us, like this is what we do. We just go through the Bible line by line, precept by precept. And so there was a king named Saul and his time is done. And so now we're moving on to a new king. And so this is the selection process that God ordained to happen. And so Samuel's the priest. He goes to the town. He finds Jesse as God told him to do. He goes in front of Jesse's seven sons. They all pass in front of Samuel. And uh, Samuel's like, no, none of these guys. And he's like, is there anybody left? And the dad, Jesse, is like, oh, yeah, we got this one more little runt out in the field. His name's David. <laughs> Probably not interested in that guy anyway. 
And so they go out and they find David and, and Samuel's like, this is him. Like, this is the king. This is the one that God has chosen. And so then he anoints him with oil and the spirit of the Lord comes upon him in that moment. Um, what we're going to talk about today is, is, is pretty simple. God chose David to be king over Israel and God has chosen you to be a king as well. And, and I'm going to rifle through a bunch of scriptures really fast, explain to you that concept because uh, first off, I want to get into how you should live your life if you're going to be a king. That's what we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about this morning. But some of you have never heard this teaching before. When I tell you that you're going to be a king, you should take that seriously. Like you live your life and you just think like, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm not really called to anything more. And, you know, I work down at the widget factory and my life doesn't really matter. But I'm telling you right now that your life matters, that God is preparing you for eternity to rule and reign with Christ. And so you should live your life differently because of that truth. Amen. Let me go through some of these scriptures because some of you, when I tell you this and say you're going to be a king, you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm going to be a king. David didn't feel like he was probably going to be a king either when he was sitting out in the sheepfold. Second Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. First Corinthians 6.2, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world would be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Genesis chapter 1 said that we would have dominion over the earth. Revelation 22.5 said that we would reign forever and ever. Revelation 3.21 says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. That's what Jesus said. And he's talking about you, saints. He's talking about you and he's saying that you're going to sit on the throne with Jesus Christ. You're not just merely passing through. Jesus said in Luke 22, 29, uh, 29 through 30, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In Daniel chapter 7 verse 18, but the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Would you agree with me this morning based on those scriptures that God has chosen you for kingship? Would you understand that it should change the way in which you live your life? It should change the way in which you think about yourself, the way that you walk through this earth. Many times Christian people think that their life is insignificant. I said, well, I'm just, you know, a group of people on their way to heaven. And when we get there, I don't know, they hand out gumdrops or something else. No, you're going to rule and reign with Christ. And if you're going to rule and reign with Christ, you should live your life differently now to prepare yourself for that eternal truth. You're not going to get a new spirit when you get to heaven. You're going to get a new body. Praise God. I don't know. Personally, I don't know how God can improve on perfection, but you're going to get a... You're going to get a new body. But whoever you are here is who you're going to be there. That's why you need to be preparing yourself for eternity now. You can't merely just think like, well, you know, God will change me when I get there. No, you need to be changed now. Amen. As Samuel was in the process of choosing David, there's a scripture here that we're just going to kind of camp out at and we're going to pull out of for your preparation for king, for kingship. And it's in 1 Samuel 16, 11. I said, Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. There he is keeping the sheep. So let's get into this. 
As you may not understand that you have been prepared for kingship, I want you to first to understand that you have not been forgotten. You have not been forgotten. You might feel like you've been forgotten. You might think as though your life is insignificant. You might think like, what am I even doing here on this earth? Why, why do I have the job that I have? Why do I have the relationships that I have? Why have I gone through what I've been through, gone through? And I'm telling you that you are not forgotten. They're looking for a new king and they seven sons pass in front of Samuel. And then Samuel says to Jesse, hey, are all the young men here? See, Samuel had looked at all the other brothers. And after looking at Samuel's seven brothers, he said, is this all you got? Because we're looking for something a little bit more. The the scripture talks about how God had sent Samuel down to choose a, a king and said, not, not to look at their outward appearance, but to look inside of their heart. And Jesse, the dad is like, uh, yeah, I, I got one other, but he's a runt and he's out in the field and you probably wouldn't want him anyway. And if you think about that story, Jesse being David's father, David was forgotten by his own father. His, <laughs> his own father forgot him. His own father said, you know what? I've got seven sons that you can choose from kings. Is there anybody else? Is there someone else you're not telling me about? Oh, yeah. yes, I forgot. We got, we got this little runt out in the back 40. He's, he's just tending sheep. He's probably not somebody that you'd even be interested in looking at. And I will tell you as a man, and I, uh, it, was, it was really, really hard for me to write this sermon and not put myself into it. I, 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 there's been countless times in my life when I felt like I've been forgotten, man out there in the back 40, just doing the work of a sheep herder and thinking everybody has forgot about me. And I, I, I haven't tended sheep, but I've done things in my life where I could just think like, you know what, man, does, does anybody even know that I'm out here? Like I'm, I'm out here with these sheep and it seems like everybody else is at the party and I'm out here tending sheep and everybody has forgotten about me. Even my own father has forgotten about me. I'm just out here with the sheep. How many days did David wake up and go out in that field and think, Man, what, are the, what are the rest of my brothers doing? Why am I out here? See, tending sheep is a servant's job. It's not the job of a son. If you have a son, you don't say, son, go out and tend the the sheep. You say, well, we'll give this to a servant. We'll give it to someone that's lowly. Because being a shepherd, it's funny, we talk about Jesus being the great shepherd. But the position of shepherd is not an esteemed job. It's not one that's looked highly upon. It should make you really understand the value of a pastor as a shepherd. (laughs) Because you got a a shepherd with the sheep and sheep bite. (laughs) They're, They're dirty and they're nasty and they don't follow very well. And so... You give that job to a servant. You don't give that job to a son. But even though David was out there with the sheep, and I would assume probably thinking, I've been forgotten. I've been put out here with these sheep in this thankless job. God had not forgot about David. God hadn't forgot about David. God knew exactly where he was. God counts his sheep. He knows where they are. He knows what they're doing. And so he spoke to Samuel prophetically, I believe in this story. And when Samuel had seen all the sons, he said, no, no, I think there's one more. God said, there's one more. Where's that other one? Because you may have forgotten about that one out in the back 40, but God has not forgot about that one that's out there tending the sheep. 
See, God knew where he was and what he was doing in David's life. He was preparing him to be king. He needed to be out there in the sheep, man. He needed to be out there alone. He needed to be there with only God as his guide, as his comforter, as his friend. That's where he needed to be. Because in that moment, God was preparing him to be king. He was doing something inside of him. And as David may have thought that he was forgotten, God said, you know what? I have not forgot about you. And I don't care who you are, but you want to be, you want to feel validated and supported by your family. And if you, and if you would say, I don't care what my family thinks about me. I think you're lying. I think you've just built a calloused heart. I don't don't know a kid alive that doesn't want their parents to be proud of them. I don't, I don't know one of them. And so I would assume that David felt the same way. He's probably out there and he's just like, where's my dad? Why, why does he have me out here? Why, why am I doing this? See, it's interesting. David said later in life in Psalm 27, 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, what it says up there. (laughs) See, David understood that the love of God, God loving him and to him is the greatest satisfaction. It, it, and, and this idea of this worldly love being able to satisfy a longing heart is something that David fully understood to say, you know what, man, even when those that were supposed to love me, even when those that were supposed to build me up, even when they don't support me, even when they don't understand me, even though they give me the job of the shepherd and put me out in the back 40, God will not forsake me. David understood, man. And God remembered him when his own family forgot him. See, Moses had even said to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. And I will tell you, for you this morning, if you've ever felt forgotten by your family, you've been forgotten by anybody else, I'll tell you, man, God has not forgot about you. God hasn't forgot about you. Family relationships will come and go, but God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You should not have fear. What does it mean to you, folks? You may be tending the sheep in your life and feel forgotten, but I want to tell you, man, friend, God hasn't forgot about you. Oh, he hasn't forgot about you. We serve a loving, benevolent God that knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're doing. He sees what you're doing and it might feel like you've been forgotten, but I prophetically tell you this morning that you have not been forgotten. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 30, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. See, you are valuable. Don't don't ever forget that. You are valuable. You are so valuable that God sent his son Jesus to come and die for you so that you could spend eternity with God. That's how that you're so valuable that even when you are a broken, dirty sheep herder, that God came in and cleaned you up and said, I'm going to make you a king one day. I'm going to use God is God is so see so much value. He wants to use a, a broken person like you to show people how good he is. And if that doesn't confound the wisdom of the wise, I don't know what does. Amen. While you were still a sinner, God loved you. Did you think about that? 
When you were nothing, when you were a sinner worthless to God, God came in and said, you know what? This is somebody that I can use. How much more so now that he calls you his son? How much more so now that he calls you his daughter? And I know that, you know, it's so interesting. I, I didn't even want to preach this sermon. I don't want to preach most of my sermons. <laughs> but uh, I really feel like prophetically, like God wanted this message for, for you today. That, that when, you're, when you're praying and you're feeling like, are my prayers just hitting the ceiling? Like, are they going nowhere? Has, has God forgot about me? Has, has God just relegated me into a nothingness in my life? He hasn't forgot about you, man. He hasn't forgot about you at all. You're being heard. You know, years ago, Crystal and I, we, uh, we were away for the weekend with some of our extended family. And this is years ago. And they had invited us to go away for the weekend. And we were uh, um, away for the weekend and they had rented a house. And you know how families do. You rent the house and you get together. Dude, I'll tell you, let me... It's a bad plan, okay? It's like, if you ain't getting along in the city, you ain't getting along by renting a house, okay? Save your money, okay? Save your money. Because usually you get all those people that don't get along usually, and you put them in a house, and things don't get better, they get worse. So we're out there, and it was just a horrible weekend. It was one of the worst weekends of our life. And and I, I, I really feel like... <laughs> We were invited so they could just poke and pick at Crystal and I the whole entire weekend. Now, like, I mean this as humbly as possible, but like, we're okay people, okay? Like, you can, you, I, we can go on a road trip for a couple hours and I'll be nice and I won't spit on the windshield and, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I am man, I, I know my manners, you know, my mom used to send me out and say, please and thank you and all, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm a mannerful guy. But man, these people that we were with, they just did everything that they could to just make us feel less than the whole entire weekend. They just put their thumb on us. And I don't have time to tell you, but there's literally a handful of stories of specific times where it was abundantly clear that we were not welcome. And I'm just like, why are we here? Like we'd lay in bed at night and I'm like, man, we're packing up our stuff. We're getting out of here. Get the kids. We're going. I'm like, well, they're family. I stay whatever. And and the, the icing on the cake, man, and uh, the, this is just a horrible story, but I'm going to tell it to you. So we go out for the day, and there was, a, a, you know, there was, there was blood family there, and then there was extended family, and then other guests that were there, and we're just kind of there having the weekend away. And so as we're gone for the day to do some sightseeing, we're in separate cars and we come back. And the host for the weekend, the, the person who paid the bill and the person that came there, had decided that because we were uh, at the Oregon coast, that they, there was the best clam chowder that the world has ever seen. And I love clam chowder, man. Like I love, if it's fish, I'm in. Like I love it. Hey, Crystal, she don't like no fish. Uh, she don't want nothing to do with it. You know, she never cooks me fish, come to think about it. So anyway, <laughs> not enough. Anyway. So they're like, oh man, there's the best chowder ever. And, and, and so we're, there's three cars and we all went out for the day and then we come back and so we get into the house, we're sitting there. And so the host comes in, he's got these bags and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys got to take this chowder, man. It's the best chowder on planet earth. You're going to love it. And so then he starts dishing out chowder to everybody at the table, except me. 
Dude, I kid you not. And so, they look, look at me. I like to eat. You know what I'm saying? And so he hands out all the chowder. And, and I'm sitting there. And this is just like after a weekend of just feeling left out and feeling put down. And every, like, like and I'm like, everybody else is eating chowder except for me. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking and it was like the twilight zone. It was like everybody else was in the room except me. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Put some more crackers in. It's dribbling out of the side of them. And I'm just like, okay, all right. I see where this is going. I didn't even say a word, man. I just got up from, like I literally, I'm like, I'm in my thirties and, and I, I had tears like in my eyes. Cause I was just like, gosh, I've never felt this like left out and put down since I was like, I don't know, elementary school. And, and so I got up and I left and I didn't say anything. I just left and I went downstairs and Crystal was already downstairs because she doesn't like chowder. And so we're down there, we're sitting there and she's like, are you not having any chowder? I'm like, dude, they did not give me any chowder. <laughs> and she was like, what? I said, yeah, man, they didn't give me any chowder. And so then we're sitting there and I'm just kind of licking my wounds with no dinner. It was what was for dinner. (laughs) And so one of the men that was there that wasn't the family relative that just happened to be there, somehow he figured it out. And he, uh, he, he, he came down the stairs and he had his chowder and he, and, and I, I know that some of y'all are probably like, what is the big deal, man? Maybe you've never felt left out in your life before. Maybe this has nothing to do with your life, but indulge me for a minute here. So he comes down, he's got the chowder and, and, and he had been eating it, but he became aware that I didn't have the chowder. And he came down and he said, Matt, he goes, I, I want you to have my chowder. And of course I'm like, no, no, it's okay. And inside I'm like, it's for me. Boy, I the heck out of that chowder. <laughs> it's really good, man. Why do I share that story with you, man? In that story, God's the one that comes down the stairs. He got, he got more than enough chowder for everybody. And then that story is just, I mean, I guarantee you that every single one of you have a story like that in your life, right? We're just like, how come I didn't get picked? How come I didn't get that job? How come, how come my parents favored that sibling over me? And you're just like, man, I'm just, I'm out there, forgotten. But God has not forgot about you, man. Here's the second part of it, man. So you may not feel like you're being called to be a king, but God sees your heart. He sees your heart. I'm sure his brothers looked at David and was like, sheep herder, he ain't going to be no king. But, but David, the Bible is very clear that David was a man after God's own heart. Even before he went in there, even before he went into kingship, his heart, I believe, had already turned himself towards God. His heart already had a heart towards God or else God wouldn't have chosen him to be king. First Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as a man sees for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at his heart. See, when Saul was chosen as king, uh, he was, the, the Bible says that he was tall and he was handsome. And so all the people looked at him and thought, man, that's going to be the king. That's the chosen one. That's the one that's going to lead us. And they had seen his appearance and assumed that he had been a great king. But what we saw in the life of Saul is that he was not a good king. His appearance was not enough to carry him in his kingship. 
because he had a heart that was not turned towards God. And so this time around, God says, you know what? Why don't we choose on heart this time instead of on appearance? Why don't we choose someone that we know is going to lead the people with a good heart? See, God has seen what a self-directed, self-seeking king produced, and now he wanted heart. And I will tell you, man, that heart is everything in this world. You can't teach heart. Skills and abilities will only take you so far. That's, that, that's why, as, as a leader, I always choose people based on heart, not on skills and abilities. You can teach skills and abilities, but you cannot, you cannot train heart. You can't at all. I remember when I was a hiring manager back at my old job way back when, I, I would set up interviews for people that were going to come in and get jobs. And they would come for the interview and they would, uh, the way the building was set up, they had to come into a waiting area that was closed by a door and there was a front desk gal that sat there. And then they would greet the front desk gal and the front desk gal would come and get me in my office and let me know that the hire was there. And so before I ever went out there, I always asked them, I said, how did they do? And 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 she knew the game, man. She knew exactly what to say. She said, well, they were really rude to me. Really? All right. Well, not going to hire them. She was the hiring manager. No one else knew it. <laughs> Dude, I, listen, if you got a good heart, I can teach you to sell. Like, that's not a problem. But what I can't teach you to do is to be nice to everybody that you meet. And most people don't think of life that way. They just think, well, I'm only going to be nice to people that I have to be nice to. I'm not going to be nice to everyone. But God's watching. Like, God knows the heart. God, know, God knows if your heart is deceitfully wicked. God knows if you're a manipulative person that's only showing that you're trying to be nice on the inside. While on the inside, you're a whitewashed tomb. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. See, God looks at the heart and that should encourage some of you that think that you've been passed over based on your appearance, but it should challenge you in the sense that if your heart has some stuff that needs to be worked on, preparing for kingship, you better start working on some of those things in your heart. Think about this, man. David wrote over 70 of the Psalms, worship songs to the Lord. That, that was his heart. His heart was to worship God. I, I love, I want to read this. It's in Psalm, um, Psalm 18. This is, this is the heart of David. It's in Psalms. Sorry about my nose. You get crying and then it's, ugh. I hate crying. All right, Psalm 18. This is what David said about God. He said, I will love you. O oh Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. That's a heart, man. That's a heart that loves God. That's a heart that desires the things of God. This is the reason why Acts 13.22 says that David was a man after God's own heart. Because he had a heart of worship. He had a heart of just desiring the things of God. What does it mean to you folks? The Bible says you will be reigning with Christ one day. And what will God say about your heart? What will he say about your heart? This is why I never understand people that say, well, you know, I don't want to worship or, hey, I don't want to serve. I don't want to do it. Well, where's your heart, man? Like, do you have a heart towards God? Do you have a heart towards the things of God or you just have a heart for yourself? See, God knew Saul's heart and he knew David's heart and he knows your heart as well. Kind of sobering for some of us. 
right? I, I read a quote this week from Spurgeon. He said, when someone gets upset at you, he said, don't be upset because you are far worse than he thinks you to be. <laughs> Isn't it true though? I mean, we get upset. Well, how dare they say that about me? Really? If they really knew your heart, they'd say 10 times as much. If you're being 100% honest with your heart. See, the Bible describes uh, our heart as the hidden person of the heart that God will look at, which probably means we should be probably doing whatever we can to clean out our hearts. Right? I mean, David was described as a man after God's own heart, but then he says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, David was described as a man after God's own heart because he was constantly before the Lord saying, God, search me, try me, change me. God, I want my heart to be pure before you. And so God, do whatever you need to do in my life to change my heart. Do it, Lord. And so we should have that heart as well. See, it's, it's the, the problem that you guys have is that I'm your pastor. Amen. Right? Thank you. I'm waiting for some good amens. And I wish that I could stand before you and say that my heart is pure, but man, my heart is not pure. It's just not. Like, I wish I could stand here and say I never have bad thoughts towards other people. I wish I could never say that I had bad desires for things that aren't of God. But the truth is, I do. And I, like, I spend the bulk of my life, like, reading the Bible and focusing on the things of God. And I'm, I'm just gonna assume that if I'm trying with everything that I have, and there's still wickedness inside of me, there's probably one or two of you that have a little bit of wickedness. Right? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, you know what, man? I'm finding a new church, cause that guy's broken. Go find one, man. But that, like, that's where I'm at, where I'm just like, God, would you change these things inside of me? And I'm, listen, I'm not where I used to be, praise God, but I'm not where I need to be either. There's still more inside of me that needs to be changed. There's things inside of me that, I mean, I'm, I'm just wicked, man. I really am. I mean, I don't even like to share with my own children. You know, yesterday, I, man, I was hungry for some ribs and I cooked a, a rack of ribs my son was like, can I have some of those? I was like, no. No, you make you some hot dogs, man. And he looked at me like, really? And I, 100% in my heart, there wasn't an ounce of me that wanted to share those ribs with my own son. Because I'm a selfish, despicable man in need of a savior. I, I know y'all would be like, have all my ribs, but not me. I shared my ribs, okay? <laughs> Only to have, I gave him half of them. The small half. <laughs> Praise God, Faith wasn't home. She would have wanted some as well. It's only one rack. We can stop the action, but we've got to stop the desire, right? I say, God, man, just make me a person that doesn't, if someone asks for a rib, I give them all of them. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said in Matthew 23, 26, you blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. We can let the Holy Spirit do the work, but you have to submit to him and let him have his way. 
Because this is why like preaching is good to listen to and worship is good because it, it cleanses those parts of us inside, right? Like even when I sit in here on Wednesday night and someone else is preaching, like there's things inside of my heart. I'm like, dang it, I need that to change. And oh, I need this to be cleansed out. Here's the third part of it. Is that even though you may not feel like you're called to be king, right? You may feel like, how am I going to be king? I've been forgotten. And how am I going to be king? I don't have the right heart. How am I going to be king when, when God doesn't even see what I'm doing? It's, if you go to the beginning of this verse, right? And I love it. It says, are all the men here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. Keeping the sheep, man. He was just doing his job. He was just out there keeping sheep. He wasn't doing kingly stuff, right? I mean, you would think if somebody knew that they were going to be king, that they would be practicing becoming a king. But God doesn't work that way. God says, you know what? We're going to work on your heart. That's the most important thing. Put your hands to what I asked you to put your hands to. Amen. Just tend the sheep, man. Just, just tend the sheep. He wasn't preparing his resume. He wasn't going out and trying to prepare his scepter and his throne. He was just doing a servant's job that his dad had asked of him. But God was watching him and watching him that he was doing what he was told to do. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. See, David knew this. Like, he knew, and I and I don't want to make the Bible say what it doesn't say, but I'm just going to judge based on what David's life looked like and the Psalms that he wrote, that he knew God intimately when he was out there in those fields. I'm going to assume that he talked to God, that him and God had a relationship because he wrote things like in Psalm 121, he said, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. How could you not say that unless you had experienced that? Man, he had experienced that and he knew this. For whatever reason, his father, Jesse, had him out in the field working the sheep. And we can uh, assume from that, that uh, the sheep herding being a servant's job, that David had an obedient heart, that David was humble, that he was doing what was asked of him. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And God saw David in the field with the sheep when no one else did, but most importantly, God saw what he was doing out with the sheep. And I, and, 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 and why do I share that with you is that prophetically today, I want to tell you this, is that some of you have that same mindset that says, you know what, it just seems like I'm out here tending the sheep, man. God has forgotten about, no one even sees what I'm doing, but I will tell you, man, God sees what you're doing. Your job, and, and, and here's the thing, like you you're, have a job at the XYZ Corporation making the widgets, and you're like, what does this job have to do with like the world? It has everything to do with what God is doing in you, preparing you for eternity, right? Sometimes the job is just a J-O-B, that's all it is. That's all the sheep herding was. And people get this idea of like, well, I want to do this big, fantastic, change the world kind of thing. Tend the sheep. Tend the sheep. Because God is preparing you for something big. God is preparing you for kingship. God is preparing you to rule and reign. You just keep tending those sheep, man. God is watching. God knows what you're doing. And since God can see you wherever you are, since God can see what you're doing, Colossians 3.22, excuse me, 3.23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. See, because when you do it as unto the Lord and not to men, you will never tire of what you do. You won't. You won't say, well, how come no one recognizes me? And how come I didn't get a certificate? Well, who are you doing it for? Were you doing it for, were you doing it for God? Or were you doing it for yourself? Were you doing it for recognition? 
And it doesn't matter whether you stay at home, whether you don't have a job, whether you have a job. Do that thing as unto the Lord. People will never know the sacrifices you make. They don't. No, no one sees the way that you live your life. They don't see the special things that you do, the way that you do your job. Many of you do your jobs very, very well. And no one recognizes it. Your boss probably doesn't even recognize it, but God recognizes it. And so then what's going to happen is you're going to go and you're going to become a king and a queen and do these great, fantastic things for God. And people are going to look at your life and be like, how come I didn't have that kind of life? Well, you weren't working unto the Lord. You were working for yourself and you wanted the worldly recognition for what you did instead of waiting for the recognition from God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 7, it says, With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. See, Jesus said, whatever you do in secret, God will reward openly. Yeah. What happens is that people see the result and they don't see the tireless work of what it took to get there. I'm sure all of David's brothers looked at his life and said, well, how come he gets to be king? He was out there tending sheep and we were here doing the father's work inside of the house. But the work that David did out there in the field was not the, was not what they thought it was going to be at all. God was preparing him inside. And then the end result of it was kingship in your life. Do your work as unto the Lord. God is preparing you for kingship. You will be put in a place and other people look at it and think, how is it possible that they have that position? Because God was doing it. First Peter two fifteen says, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And when you work to the Lord with no recognition, just hoping for what God can do, people may see or not see, but most importantly, God sees. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Hey, if you've never given your life to Jesus, it's time for you to become a king, man. It's time to get your inheritance. God's preparing you for something. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never said, man, I'm a sinner that needs a savior. I've never given my life to him. And I will tell you, man, Today is your day. God wants to set you free. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to put you in a high place. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, you want to do that today for the first for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. Now for the rest of us, Maybe you just haven't embraced this idea. <coughs> Excuse me. This idea of kingship, of queenship, where you're going to rule and reign with Christ. Maybe you're just walking through this earth and thinking like, man, what am I being prepared for? You're being prepared for eternity to be a king and a queen. God hasn't forgotten about you. He sees your heart. He sees what you're doing. So embrace that. Allow the Lord to work in your life. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this word and we pray that you would prepare us. God, we pray that you would root out those things in our hearts that aren't of you. God, that we would be changed to be more like you so that we can rule and reign with you in Jesus' name.